This morning we're talking about really um, jealousy and envy. They're just examples, right? But we're really talking about the difference. Uh, We're really talking about wisdom. And there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge, isn't there? So I I looked up the definitions. I looked up the definitions. Knowledge is facts, information, skills that are required by a person through, uh, that are acquired, excuse me, by a person through experience, education, right? Wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, it's the difference between knowing intellectually and understanding. Knowing intellectually and understanding. You look at things differently as a wise person than you do an unwise person, don't you? I think I mentioned this recently. Um, I, I used to look at things, uh, I, I did, when, when talking about soloing and climbing walls, rock walls, and all, all those different things, right, that, that, that I used to look at things and say, yeah, I'm in, you know, like, like we're, going, we're going to Camp 207 in a, in a couple months, everybody should come, everybody should be there. One of the things at Camp 207, in fact, one of the main reasons all the students come is there's water tubing. Now, I used to look at water tubing and say, yes, undoubtedly, I'm in. Now I look at water tubing and think, how sore am I going to be after this? <laughs> That's wisdom, right? I know through experience how to water tube, but the wisdom behind it, right, of knowing, because last time I went water tubing, some of you might have been there at Camp 207, the boat driver decided to take me on the ride of my life, and I hurt all over, let's just say, for days, Okay, but, but wisdom is, is, is like the knowledge plus, right? I, I know it intellectually, but I've also experienced maybe not that exact same thing, but I've experienced something similar enough to know the, what the result of this is going to be. And so James is talking about wisdom. Wisdom was an important thing to Jewish people in this time where James is writing this letter, a lot like wisdom's an important thing in our culture today. In our culture today. Nonetheless, we're talking about wisdom. The Jewish people realized that it wasn't enough in this time to just have knowledge. It wasn't enough to just have knowledge. You had to have the wisdom to be able to use that knowledge correctly. All of us know people who are very intelligent, who are smart, perhaps almost geniuses, yet can't seem to carry out the easiest tasks of life. How many of you know the smartest most like closest to genius level, but they have no idea where their phone is or their car keys. Man, I want to mention some names. But I'm putting into practice the sermon from last week of taming the tongue. Okay, right? But we know those people who know they're very intelligent. Geniuses can't even seem to carry out the easiest tasks of life. They can program computers, but they can't even manage their own lives, right? They can't even manage their own lives. Proverbs 4, 7 puts it this way. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, right? Get wisdom. Uh, James 13, uh, 3, 13 through 18. You ready? Let's read it together. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Nice, easy, fluffy words from James. 
Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But, verse 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. A righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As James is addressing the people, he wants them to know this, that knowledge enables us to take things apart, to pick things apart, to dissect things, but wisdom enables us to put things back together. Wisdom enables us to relate God's truth to daily life. And at his aim of maturity, he's wanting his readers to walk in wisdom. Wisdom is that mark of maturity. You can have knowledge, tons of knowledge, fresh out of college, right? We, we all know people like that. And have not wisdom and be immature. James' aim here, don't forget, is maturity. And he is saying that you need wisdom. He wants, you to walk, he wants his readers to walk in wisdom. And so he's contrasting true wisdom and false wisdom in this section by looking at three aspects of wisdom. Okay, you guys ready? So just imagine there's a screen right behind me, and these are going to pop up on the screen. Okay, just imagine, right? We can use our imaginations this morning, right? I love the steel drums. As someone who touches everything, it's been everything in me this morning, all the strength that I have to not turn around and play these steel drums. But I know I like our situation here and our setup here, and I don't want that to change. All right, so first of all, the first aspect of wisdom I want us to look at is the origin. If we're looking at worldly wisdom, true wisdom, and false wisdom, okay, if we're looking at these two aspects, we've got to look at where they come from first. We've got to look at where they come from. Look at verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. That's the worldly wisdom. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom from above, okay, so we're looking at the origin. One is demonic. One comes from above. Where is the information coming from? James reminds us that true wisdom comes from above while false wisdom comes from pop quiz where below right in other words there's a heavenly wisdom that comes from God and there's a man-made wisdom that doesn't obviously here's why this is extremely important I want you to lean into this this morning lean in lean in lean in I want you good good job I want you to lean into this this morning whatever does not come from God is destined to fail. It's destined to fail. No matter, and I know, I, know that, I know the way that rubs you, okay, but no matter how successful it may seem or feel at the time, no matter how successful it may seem or feel at the time, the Bible is filled the Bible is filled. I had to cut it off this past week as I was looking at this. The Bible is filled with many examples of the folly of man's wisdom. The building of the Tower of Babel. Seemed wise, didn't it? But it ended in failure and confusion. 
Uh, it seemed wise in Genesis 12 for Abraham to go into Egypt when famine came into Canaan. But the results proved otherwise. King Saul thought it was wise to put his armor on young David. This big, giant armor that would like be for me on Jeannie Tilton. <laughs> and King Saul thought that was a good idea. He thought it was wise. i got to protect Jeannie. i got to protect little David for his battle with Goliath. But God had other plans. Jeannie's good. She doesn't need my armor. The disciples thought it was wise to dismiss the great crowd, let them go find their own food. But Jesus took a few loaves and fishes um, from Long John Silver's and fed the multitude. And fed the multitude. The experts, I love this one. I love this one. The experts, quote unquote, in Acts 27, go read this, go read this, thought it was wise to leave port and set sail for Rome, even though Paul disagreed with them, even though Paul disagreed with them, and the storm that followed proves that Paul, Paul's wisdom was better than their expert counsel. How many people have tried to talk you out of a God thing? Only to be, whew, we could spend the rest of our time on that. They lived to regret it, but they lived. The point is this. And, the, and, again, and again, we could keep going and going and going. The point is this. This is nothing new. Worldly wisdom, God's wisdom, heavenly wisdom, man's wisdom. This is nothing new. This happens all the time. Think of the best stories that you tell around the campfire year after year after year. Maybe even this weekend. Maybe you're gearing up to tell the same stories tomorrow at the family get-together that you told last year. It's the times that you thought better or just didn't think at all and were in for a huge learning experience. What's the origin of man's wisdom? Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. The believer in Jesus this morning, the Christian, has three enemies. Ready? The world the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And here's the thing that we must battle. This is natural. We all have a natural bend to follow our wisdom over heavenly wisdom. That's our natural bend. Sin nature, all of those things. The main idea is that our fallen nature is opposed to the new nature that is given by God. They're in opposition with one another. They're constantly competing. Like uh, in movies, right? They depict it with the angels sitting on the shoulders, right? That you get the that you get the good. Anybody ever seen the Emperor's New Groove? My kids have been watching that like three times a day right now, right? And Gronk's got Kronk or Gronk, anyway, whatever. Gronk's the expatriate. Kronk, anyway, whatever. You get the point. I think his name's Gronk. Anyway, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right? Movies, they depict it with the angels that are sitting on the shoulder. This is nothing new. And, and our new nature that is given by God and our fallen nature that we're born into are constantly in op opposition together. They can't snuggle with one another. Right? They can't. They can't go together. There's a wisdom that gets its origin in our nature that is totally apart from the Spirit of God. They can't go together. And, and where we conflict with wisdom, most of our toughest decisions come when we're trying to please both. And we can't. And we can't. And so the first step to wisdom is to realize that we can't Please, 
both. The wisdom from above, what is it? The philosophies of this world? No. What's the wisdom from above? Jesus. Haven't I taught y'all anything? That anytime you're asked a question in church, if you just say Jesus, it's never wrong. Come on. Jesus is our wisdom. The word, the scriptures are our wisdom. We find wisdom in prayer. And the origin of true wisdom, the, the, the wisdom that, that James talks about. He, he talks about it in James chapter 1. We talked about it a few weeks ago. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it freely. To get our wisdom from any other source is asking for trouble. And so we've got the origin of, origins of wisdom. Wisdom from below, wisdom from above. Now let's look at the operations. Look at verses 13 and 14. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works and the meekness of his wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Big warning there. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere. One of the most important factors in our growth and our maturity when it comes to wisdom is this, our perspective. When it comes to wisdom, when it comes to growth in wisdom, it's, it's, it's our perspective that's going to make the difference. See, worldly wisdom views life from a limited perspective. From a limited perspective. It doesn't see things in the light of eternity. But in terms of the perceived immediate impact. See, we constantly, we, we, we live for this instant gratification. And forget. And so, and so all most of us worry about moment by moment by moment is how we're feeling in said moment. Not how what we're experiencing and what we're walking through is impacting us, preparing for us, us, excuse me, for eternity. You see that? What's best for self-advancement, self-pleasure now is what we concern ourselves with. Let me tell you something. This is dangerous. Because the truth is, it's motivated by self-centered ambition. Climbing the ladder. A wisdom in the world measures everything by how it affects you. It's concerned with how we can advance ourselves, how we can promote ourselves, how we can assert ourselves. When looking at conversations and circumstances, the question at the forefront is always, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? And here's the knockout punch from James. James says very clearly that this is from the devil. See you next Sunday. But let's think about this for a second. Let's explore this a little bit deeper, okay? Is self-centered ambition... Now, I want, you, I want you to be honest with yourselves. I want you to look inward this morning. Is self-centered ambition not the root of all struggles in marriage? What's best for me? 
is the question that we ask. Is not the root of the entire American dream, climb the ladder, achieve your aspirations, assert yourself, promote yourself, advance you, while meanwhile, Jesus is saying, deny yourself. Right? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Walk humbly. And so these are in constant uh, 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 competition with one another. Self-centeredness is at the heart of worldly wisdom. It's filled with envy, always comparing itself to others to see who is better or worse. And we're not exempt from this. We're not exempt from this. Every pastor's conference you go to, and I is one, so I can talk about them for now, right? And you might take my pastor card after this, right? But every pastor's conference you go to, Pastor Rick, who was, who was pastor for years and years and years, can, can attest to this. Every pastor's meeting you go to, all right, let's go around the room. Let's introduce each other. Um, what's your name? What church do you pastor? And what is your attendance? That's where pastor numbers come from. And so I, Travis, I'm from Gorham, Maine, a pastor Summit Community Church. We're running about 5,000 on a Sunday. <laughs> What's the matter? What's the matter? But the tendency in each of us, the tendency in each of us that we have to battle as we go around that circle is do I care about the heart of that pastor or do I care more about the heart of the pastor that's doing better? You hear me? It's at the root of it's at the root of everything. This battle between what feels good in that moment and what God would have us do. And what God would have us do. All right? What can I get out of this? Deny yourself. James says the result. It's, uh, the, the results uh, of, of worldly wisdom are, are disorder and evil. In a home that is marked by self-centered ambition, you will have disorder and evil. In a church that is filled with men and women, men and women, excuse me, driven by self-centered ambition, you will have a recipe for disorder and evil. There is danger in all of our families and our churches whenever we pursue selfish concerns or partisan causes to the neglect of the good of others. And so James's plea here is maturity for sure, because that's his aim of the whole letter. But he's saying to his believers here, to these, to these Jewish folks who are so concerned with wisdom, be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard. Uh, as, as Paul writes to Timothy, one of the most important things that Paul writes to Timothy in his two letters, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Okay, Be on guard. Such wisdom, worldly wisdom, produces anger, bitterness, resentment, divisions, divorce. No matter how it feels in the moment, those are the things it produces eventually. Such wisdom robs us of love, intimacy, trust, fellowship, and harmony with others, peace with others. We're going to come back to that. I feel like we need the steel drums right now.
I'm waiting for it again. All right. All right. So we got, <laughs> we got the origins. We got the operations. Now, now let's look at the outcomes. Verses 16 and 18. Okay. Outcomes. All right. We're going to come back to verse 17 in just a little bit because I'm not done with that one. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Look at verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Origin determines outcome. Doesn't it? Origin determines outcome. Worldly wisdom will produce worldly results, yet spiritual wisdom will yield spiritual results. Makes sense? Okay. Worldly wisdom produces trouble. It doesn't appear that God was at work in this assembly that James is writing to. It doesn't appear that because James is dealing with some things, isn't he? I mean, James is, James is having to confront some things in the people here. And the truth that James is getting at here with wisdom is that wrong thinking produces wrong living. It's the fruit. Like he talked about last week, a, a, an apple tree can't produce oranges. Right? God's wisdom, on the other hand, produces blessing. And so James, again, he returns to that word fruit. There's a vast difference between man-made results and God-given fruit. Fruit is the product of life. Fruit has in it the seeds for more fruit. Usually it is the seed that is sown. But here, when it comes to wisdom, it's the fruit that's sown. And so as we share the fruit of God with others, they are fed, they're satisfied, and they in turn bear more fruit. And so we have it backwards. Because look at verse 17 again. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Oh, that we wouldn't be so prideful and think our way is the... Just because somebody does it differently does not mean that they're wrong. Can I give you one example of that? Can I give you one example of that? How many, how many of you peel a banana from the top? Right? I mean, that's the way to do it. You peel the banana from the... The top is the part that comes off the stem. Thank you very much. Okay? The, st the stem part is... The wow. <laughs> okay? And so you peel, you peel it from the top. One day, someone completely wrong came along and flipped that banana upside down and said, oh no, it's easier, and you get more of the banana by taking the bottom and just, some of y'all are nodding your heads like that's the right way to do it, and you just need to get on with your bad, okay, just, just, that is bad theology, okay, that's bad theology, all right, right, but here's the reality, what is the end result? you get a banana. And so just because my way is better, just because my way makes more sense, does not mean that, that opening a banana from the bottom is wrong. And in fact, I live and stand up here today to tell you it's actually easier. And you get more of the banana. 
It's real. It's real. But I fought that for a long time. I know. I know we're talking about bananas here. And that's dumb. But what are the dumb things that you cause division in your life about? Right? Right? I stand up here to tell you, opening it from the bottom is a better way. But there was a long time that I stuck with opening it from the top in spite. (laughs) Because I had to be right. Now, I know y'all are more spiritual than me and more mature than me and you're further along than me and you don't have those little nuances in your life where you, where you have those things, right? I get, I, get, I get that. You can preach next Sunday, okay? But that's what James is getting at here, okay? Open to reason. Just because somebody does it differently doesn't mean they're wrong. Full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. See, here, here's the aim. Jesus says it. Jesus says it in the Beatitudes. Jesus says it in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. All we are looking for in maturity is satisfaction. The problem is, as James points out, Most of us, many of us, if not all of us, have this natural bend to look and crave satisfaction from a place where satisfaction was never intended to come from. Come on now. Come on now. Jesus clearly states it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness as the deer pants for water so my soul thirsts for the things of God. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you'll be satisfied. Not your comforts and your feelings in the moment. Wisdom from above is the only thing that can satisfy, and yet we're searching and craving for wisdom in the immediate and the right in front of us, and it just might not be there. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so here's the truth. I wrote this down in my notes in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the margin of my Bible. We need verse 17 people. My prayer for you this morning is verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure. No false motive. No ulterior motive. You ever had that conversation with somebody that came up to you and you just felt like they had an ulterior motive for talking to you? Like, oh, that pastor's going to come and talk to me. He's going he's to either ask me where I was last Sunday, where I was Monday night, why I haven't given. He wants me to do something. He wants me to serve someplace, right? Sometimes I just want to talk to you. You don't have to run. Right? No ulterior, pure, right? Peaceable. Mm. Doesn't that sound nice? Not every conversation has to be a battle, does it? Peaceable, gentle, open to reason. Hey, there might be another way to do this. Or, or, might be hard to hear, I could be wrong. Or I don't know. 
open to reason, full of mercy. Again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Mercy is another word for compassion. Full of compassion, good fruits, impartial. James talked in, in chapter 2 about favoritism, partiality, how, how it was sin, and sincere. We need verse 17, people. What we need is godly wisdom that comes from heaven. You don't get this wisdom from intellectual effort or practical experience as much as you get it from just being with Jesus. And just being with Jesus. A kind of wisdom, godly wisdom, sees things from an eternal perspective that can only come from God. And so we abide with him constantly in prayer and in the scriptures, crying out to him in order to receive wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, sounds like James chapter 1, doesn't it? And raise your voice for understanding. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, let him seek it. If you call out for insight, you raise your voice in understanding, Proverbs 2, 3. If you seek it like silver, mm, search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. It's promised throughout Scripture, church, that the Lord's going to give wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Individually, Individually, not only individually, but I, I want to open this up corporately. We need to go before God and pray for wisdom. As I just said a couple minutes ago, as the deer pants for water, we ought to be desperate for it. We ought to be desperate for this wisdom. All believers should have the attitude of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, who confessed that he was but a child and in need of God's help. King Solomon but a child in need of God's help. And the truth of the matter is this. Only God can give this wisdom. Which is why God-given wisdom, godly wisdom, is motivated by humility. We see that in the book of James. Meekness of wisdom. James 3.13, excuse me, the first verse we looked at this morning. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And this is why this is so important to James, because peace is what God desires in our relationships. It's what God desires in our homes. It's what God desires in our churches. Now, this is not peace at the expense of truth. As in, let's just all get along by avoiding truth and conviction. No. It's first of all pure and true. Trusting that purity produces peace. And so when we're humble before God, leaving self-centered ambition behind and pursuing wisdom that's pure, it produces peacemaking and righteousness. 
It doesn't mean that you always agree on every detail. But it does mean that together you are humbly seeking God's wisdom and putting aside selfish ambition. It doesn't mean, let me me just state that one more time. It doesn't mean that you agree on every detail. It doesn't mean that we sit here and agree on every detail. It's not possible. But it does mean that we're seeking God first. So here's my prayer for you. Would you ask God to remove from you worldly thinking and worldly wisdom? Would you humble yourself before God? Ask him to give you wisdom that is first pure, peace-loving, gentle, full of mercy, good fruits, open to reason, without favoritism, without hypocrisy. And pray that he would use you to sow not disorder and evil, but to harvest peace and righteousness in your relationships with others. To use you to sow not disorder and evil, but to harvest peace and righteousness in your relationships with others. That's James's prayer. And so as the worship team's coming this morning, quite frankly, when it comes to wisdom, where are you? Are you looking to God first? Are you looking to the immediate? Are you looking to please you? Are you looking for the good of others? And friends, my challenge to us as we grow in faith, as we grow in relationship with each other, as we grow in relationship with God, is that we continue to look for Him in all circumstances, in all decisions, in all places where we seek wisdom. Can I pray for you? So God, today, I thank you that you're the giver of wisdom. I thank you that you're the giver of truth. And that God, in the lightest and heaviest of circumstances, you're there. And so God, I pray for each and every one of us that as we aim to grow in you as we aim to grow in our relationships with you, God, that we would look to you for truth, that we would look to you for wisdom, that we would no longer conform to the patterns of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God, I pray that you would renew some minds this morning, that the motivations of our heart would be moved to you this morning.
that the passions of our lives would be in line with what you desire for us today. As individuals, as families represented in this room, and as your body that is summoned. God, may we be on guard. God, I pray against worldly wisdom running any decision of Summit Church. It can't happen. And so, God, I pray for all of our leaders that you protect our hearts, that you protect our minds, that you guide us in truth, purity, open to reason, that would produce fruit and peace. And God, I pray for parents in this room that they would be on guard for their families. That they'd guard their marriage. They'd guard their children. And God, that we would do that as individuals. Guard our hearts and minds. I pray that we would pursue you that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness and be satisfied. In Jesus' name.